Hi, I'm Dr. Tamara Agnew. I'm Dr. Stephanie Champion. And today we're speaking with Dr. Andy Stapleton. Andy is a scientist turned science communicator. And he did a PhD on nanoparticles and we'll leave it to him to explain it. Welcome to Career Sessions with your hosts, Steph and Tamara. Proudly sponsored by Inspiring South Australia. In this series of career sessions, all of our guests hold doctorates in their chosen field, and we invite them to talk about their pathway from PhD candidate to present day. We ask them what they've learned, and we also ask them to give advice to people who might be thinking about a career in research when they've finished school or when they've finished their undergraduate degree. Dr. Andy Stableton graduated from Newcastle University in 2011. He undertook his doctoral project at the School of Chemistry and Physical Sciences, and the title of his thesis is Nanoparticle-Based Organic photovoltaic devices. Boom. And he talks science for a living and in 2015 delivered a TEDx talk at Flinders University entitled The Illusion of Progress about the experience and his experience as an early career researcher. These days, you'll find him behind the mic of his own podcast, Publish, Perish or Podcast. Welcome, Andy. We are really looking forward to hearing your story. Thank you, Tamara. <laughs> Did I get that right? You did. Absolutely. Yes. All right. <laughs> what are you doing right now? So what is your current role and what does your day look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Do you know what? I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know I don't know the answer to both of those questions. <laughs> Firstly, let's have a look. What, what's my current role? So I guess broadly it would be, I hate this term, but it's the closest, but entrepreneur, right? Mm -hmm. So at the moment, I am currently starting businesses. So I've got Verbalize.Science, which is mm -hmm. a platform to help scientists communicate more effectively. Um, and then also I'm starting uh, kind of a, a content strategy consulting thing. Um, I've got a couple of the little side projects with friends. So at the moment, I have chucked everything at the wall. I'm like a handful of spaghetti, <laughs> chucked it at the wall, and I'm seeing what sticks. sticks. And so I've got like a five-year plan to mm -hmm. go crazy on all of the things I actually like doing mm -hmm. um, and see what sticks, and hopefully at least one of them will. And what an average day looks like is, uh, so um, I normally meet up with my Verbalize.Science team. I've got a small team of content producers, scientists, project managers, user interface people, we just stand up. It does up. not sound like a small team. Well, yeah, it's weird. It, do you know what? It's weird. I've been saying small team for a little while, and then I'm like, oh, shit, it's quite, no, it's quite big. big. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we meet up a uh, couple times a week with those just typical stand-up, like, what are you doing? What are you up to? Let's move on. So that's quite uh, quite easy, and it's a nice kind of start to the day. And apart from that, I am uh, either putting out fires with clients, so Verbalize has entered into its client phase, so I'm either squashing fires or I'm um, working towards sort of like laying the foundations of a few other businesses. Mm -hmm. um, so all online, all scalable, and uh, that's because my dream is to uh, be able to travel while working. Yep. So that's the goal, is to have the freedom of movement so I don't have to go into an office space. Mm. Now, probably in about five years' time, when I, when I listen back to this podcast, I'll be like, did I do it? And I hope I'm sat somewhere <laughs> exotic. Today, you said it. That's yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's that's the end goal is to launch a number of projects that I actually enjoy doing mm -hmm. and hope that one of them sticks and then I'll end up doing something I like for a very long time. It's a very brave uh -huh. move but has huge potential to pay off and, and I hope so. be rewarding. something really rewarding, yeah. Mm. Uh -huh. um, so we want to go back to the beginning and days even before you went to university and ask about your family and did your parents go to university and 
when did you decide you wanted to go to university and did you go straight after school? Yeah, that's a great question. So my family are um, high school dropouts. Um, I think my mum did very sort of good at like GCSE level in the mm. UK. So that's what HSC here, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit before or no, year 10 certificate. Year 10, yeah. um, and my dad always used to joke that he got one qualification and that's because he pissed off the teacher enough that they just gave <laughs> it to him to like get him out of the classroom. Yep. Um, I think it was in history. Uh, anyway, so look, I am the first person in my extended family even to go to university. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was something that I, I think was always just earmarked. I'm not sure whether it was for me, mm -hmm. but my auntie always used to call me her little professor. Now I don't know, right? Mm -hmm. well, this is weird. Right? Yeah. I've been sort of doing some reflection. For my fifth birthday, I got a scientific calculator. <laughs> I, I cannot, they were determined. They were going to get you there. <laughs> I cannot think of a worse gift for a five-year-old. So that when you message, you said you can't carry a calculator everywhere you go, you can go, yes, I can. That's yeah, right. Look I at this. It. I've got one. Um, yeah, it was insane. So look, um, I don't know whether or not it was just an, a, a kind of like family like push to get mm -hmm. me there. But I, I really liked chemistry. I really liked science when I was in high school. And it was just a natural progression for me then to take that on to university. And I had ultimate support. The one thing my parents said to me was deliver the grades because it cost mm -hmm. a lot of money, you know, like they yeah. weren't very well off. Um, and they just said, like, we're willing to let you focus completely on your studies. Just make sure that you make the most of this opportunity. Yes. And that was yeah. it. Was that in the UK? Or? That was in the UK, yeah, in Swansea. Okay. Yeah, in South Wales. Yes. I loved it. I love it. Like, Swansea is such a rubbish place. <laughs> <laughs> but for a university student, it's incredible. It's by the mm. ocean. It's cold. It's dreary. But there's such a great community mm. all revolved around the university. And the campus life is what I absolutely loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you knew you wanted to be at uni, but did you know you, what you wanted to study at uni? So I think uh, I was tricked into doing chemistry <laughs> from a really nice uh, teacher. Mm -hmm who was encouraging. So I was good at two things, music and science. And uh, I think science was something that I had convinced myself would result in a stable job, <laughs> having never actually looked at what a scientist's job looks like. Mm -hmm. um, whereas music was always something I kept as a hobby. And mm -hmm. so I thought, okay, well, be based on that and based on how much support I got from my chemistry teacher, uh, chemistry was the natural choice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So what was your undergraduate degree? Chemistry. It's weird, isn't it? Yep. Because here... <laughs> you right said it. <laughs> yeah. Here, yeah. Um, in, so in, in the UK, you actually specialise straight out from university. Mm -hmm. So you choose biology, chemistry, physics, whatever it is. So I actually did like one physics module, one psychology. Like I had a bit of pick and mix um, mm -hmm. in there. But largely, you just choose mm -hmm. a subject and you just plow on through. <laughs> And just hope you like it, <laughs> yep. because in in Australia it's obviously a bit different. Well, where they I think like you, you to do, do broadening science. electives. Yeah, you know, yeah. You, you broaden, and I think that's much better. Yeah. It is much better. Um, would I have chosen chemistry? I, I I think so. I don't think I regret choosing chemistry, but I would have loved to have done more mm. like broader science mm -hmm. stuff, and also maybe like a language or something. Mm. I think that would have been cool. Did you go straight from school to uni? I did. Yeah. No yeah. gap year. No gap. Gap yard. No, <laughs> only the posh people do gap yards in the UK, and I wasn't one I of those. I had 16 gap yards. I did. Oh, look, oh, my God. You're super posh. <laughs> and then so after your 
undergrad, did yeah. you do honours or masters? So it's weird. My like, I'm looking back. This is I've like broken the mold for nearly everything. So yeah, my um, undergraduate was a straight up masters. <laughs> so I uh, didn't actually do oh, an undergraduate. Yeah, I did. I had to. Was be it in all the, in one? It's an all-in-one. It was a four-year course. Mm. It wasn't quite an MSc, which is the Master's of Science. It wasn't quite a bachelor's. It was somewhere in the middle, and it was mm. called an MChem. So it was a Master's yes, of Chemistry. Yep. And it, I, I'm not even sure if they offer it anymore, to be honest. But it was a. It, so it's like a postgrad and an undergrad all rolled up in one. It's mm. four years. You do a, a um, an honors year, like as your last year, where you do a project with a scientist. And um, yeah, so yeah, so that was my first four years of university. Was my MChem. Mm -hmm. Um, and then that's that was enough to springboard me into doing a PhD. Mm -hmm. and so that was a research. There was a, a heavy research component that meant only that in the last year. Yeah. So kind of like, so like honors, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I was to have finished at the end of that fourth year, I'd have got nothing. Do you know? Like if I if I didn't do the last year, I I wouldn't have been able to get a bachelor's even. So ah, I had to stay in the yeah. top. So you really committed for four years, right? I at the really beginning. did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think when the government said, We'll give you some money to study, I was like, Easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can do, I can do this for four years, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, when did you know you wanted to do a PhD? Uh, so, my undergraduate was with a year abroad. Mm -hmm. So it was MChem with a year abroad, and you could also do MChem with a, with a year in industry. Mm -hmm. That sounded boring. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to be in industry. So uh, I did MChem with a year abroad, and the government was paying for a return flight to anywhere in the world as long as there was a partner uni. So I was like, <laughs> let's go to Australia. Yeah. It's really far away. It's the longest I could ever go. And so, it's hot. And it's hot, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, Carly Minogue lives here, and it's great. Does she even? Anyway. Um, no, I think she's in England she's now. She's a part-timer. She's a part-timer. Oh, we swapped. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was like, can't, we can't possibly you have and, two hot Kylie. people in the same country. Um, so, yeah, uh, did... Chemistry with the year abroad, chose Australia, and I remember sat on the flight, no friends, no family, no connections, going to the other side of the world, sat being jet-lagged, jet tired, being like, what have I done? <laughs> this is the worst decision ever. Um, but, you know, after about six months here, I fell in love with it. Mm. You know, I, I actually got more homesick for Australia when I went back than when I than the UK when I first mm -hmm. came out. So is that Newcastle? It was Newcastle, yeah, yeah New mm -hmm. South Wales. Mm -hmm. And um, so, yeah, ever since that moment, I was like, I'm going to come back and don't tell ScoMo, <laughs> but I came back because it was the easiest way to get a visa. <laughs> do you know what? I didn't even know. I didn't even think I wanted to do a PhD. I was just like, it's more study mm. and I just have to fill out like five bits of paperwork as opposed to like residency and other stuff so <laughs> yeah ScoMo don't send me back I'm a resident no you can't check me out I wonder if they changed that rule <laughs> maybe we let Andy in quick yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you did that at Newcastle yep what was was your project part of a grant? So were you? Did you tack onto a grant, or did you uh, get free reign over that? No, I think so. Uh, my position was part of a larger project, which was a collaboration between um, a surface scientist, a physicist, and an organic chemist. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I had three supervisors during <laughs> my PhD, which was a nightmare. All coming from different disciplines. <laughs> yeah, well, or look, slightly, slightly, slightly different. Yeah, mm. and everyone had their own, you know, academia's like, mm -hmm. everyone's got their own castle they've built and they protect. And if you're not in it, they, you know, you're against it. Yeah. Um, so it was a bit of a balancing act, I guess, a really good lesson in politics, yeah. uh, academic <laughs> politics. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, so uh, so it was a, a project that they had set up between themselves. And I, don't even know where the money was com coming from, but I know it was a project that they were looking for PhD students uh, to come in on. 
and I was lucky enough to get accepted. So what was your project? And please explain it like I'm five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so my project was creating a solar paint. Mm. So imagine at the moment that a solar panel is made of silicon, which is hard and brittle, and it's hard to kind of um, manufacture mm. uh, cheaply. So the idea was that we would create an ink or a paint so that you could paint it onto your roof, mm -hmm. connect it up, and generate electricity. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Now, did we get there a little bit? Are they still <laughs> trying to get there a little bit? Like, you know, everything moves and changes. But um, we did actually better the world record for that type of solar cell at the mm. time, which was fantastic during the three years. And so um, to get a little bit deeper, so the paint consisted of tiny, tiny balls of semiconducting material. What that means is it, it conducts electricity. Mm -hmm. So imagine like a, um, a big uh, kind of bowl with ping pong balls in it. Mm -hmm. And so we, and then just shrink that down, shrink, 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 until you can no longer see the ping pong balls. Mm -hmm. And that was the paint and it had like, um, like water in it to kind of like in between the uh, ping pong balls to hold it together. Yeah. That's right. And we'd literally just paint paint it onto a surface, and uh, then we generated electricity from it. Wow. So, uh, but guess how much? Guess what? Zero point zero 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 eight percent. Okay, so maybe it's not going to change the world, but it worked. It worked, and that yeah. was the main thing. And actually, we got that up to zero point eight throughout mm. the course mm. of um, my PhD. And uh, to put that into perspective, a solar panel at the moment is about between 13 and 25% efficient. So mm -hmm. a long way to go, but it had other uses. So mm -hmm. a solar panel at the moment is a panel that's rigid and you can put it on a roof and that's it. Mm -hmm. um, the idea with the solar paint is that you could paint it on any surface. The roof yeah, a much a car, larger surface area. Much larger surface area. That's right. So even mm -hmm. though it's let's say 1% efficient, but if you can cover 100% yeah. of the air, or increase the area by 100%, mm. um, or 100 times, sorry, then you'd start sort of seeing the benefits so of that technology. Roads, like exactly. Like roads yeah. and, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. So does that, did someone else pick up that and, and keep traveling with it? They're yeah, as far as I know. So the results of my my PhD were presented on the new inventors, so the ABC's new inventors mm -hmm. by Paul Dastor, who was the physics uh, component of my, my leadership team. Mm -hmm. And yeah, they continued with that. Um, they were looking for partners with Dulux and other paint manufacturers. I'm mm -hmm. not sure where that ended up going, but um, yeah, I believe it's still continuing. Uh, because I look at my age index and every so often it goes up and I'm like, oh, good. <laughs> so yeah, still someone's here. looking at this and thinking about this. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, so how did you actually... Like, what was your methodology? So the great thing about physical chemistry is you just try stuff. And if yeah. it doesn't work, then it's also a result and you can report it. Yep. Um, so, yeah, look, we just, the, the methodology was to create a stable ink, which was mm -hmm. our first issue. So that was really about um, using different types of soaps surfactants mm -hmm. in the in the ink to make sure it doesn't crash out and just look rubbish mm -hmm. um and so oh, yeah, because was... it's not enough to just actually be efficient it actually has it's to not look horrible people, yeah. people get people to use it yeah, yeah yeah so and it has to um stay stable so that when you put it on a shelf mm -hmm. that it's still an ink and it's not just like it doesn't separate like oil and water yeah um, so that was the first stage. And look, that's that's really quite simple. Uh, we just sort of relied on the literature, looking at what worked in other mm -hmm. uh, colloidal suspensions, they're called, to keep them stable and just applied that to our inks. And then the next step, which was the most annoying, was getting that ink onto a surface mm. nicely. Mm. Because I don't know, like there's this huge sort of like surface energy thing where if, if there's a small mismatch between 
your ink and the surface, it will just bead or it mm. will wet properly or, it, you know, like it's just... It's just not a matter of just getting a paintbrush and slapping it on. No, yeah. not at all. I, yeah, so that was a huge part. It was probably my second to third year. And then mm -hmm. the final kind of six months to a year was that um, testing of a solar panel. Mm -hmm. um, so the methodology really, yeah, just took us through making sure the paint was on the ink was stable, then that it would actually wet onto a surface. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like everything, you... You've got levers you can pull to achieve those. And we just pulled them at different amounts and different mm -hmm. ratios. And if it didn't work, we scrapped it. If it did work, we we sort of honed in on that. So it really was, um, you know, using the literature to inform our methodology, implementing it, looking what worked, moved on. So really yep. basic kind of like science, right? It's like the scientific process. And were you um, alone in the lab doing it by yourself or was there always a group of people that were there working together? So I was responsible for the ink on my own. Mm -hmm. um, but then I handed it across to um, other colleagues. So I had help with the the solar panel creation mm -hmm. and the testing of the, the kind of solar panel aspect. Um, but yeah, everything else, it was just me in a lab with a sonicator, <laughs> with like a wand that emits uh, high, uh, what is it, uh, ultrasonic radio like uh, frequency, mm -hmm. just like, <laughs> like for ages, like, ye like years, like hours, days, months, years in a lab with this thing that just went <laughs> going insane. Podcast though, kept me sane. Yeah. So well. this is what I'm hoping, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be brilliant? All right, if you're sat near an ultrasonic wand right now, <laughs> Good luck. Yes. <laughs> yes, keep on keep on podcasting. Keep on going. That's right. So you didn't just do your project. You had other things going on um, at the same time with your yeah. PhD. And did that help you deal with some of the challenges of a, a PhD is to have those distractions or oh, absolutely. alternative avenues? I shouldn't call them distractions. Yeah. So look, during my PhD, I, I just focused on really on the PhD thing. It wasn't until my postdocs that I really started mm. exploring other opportunities mainly because I was just not convinced it was for me. Mm. Um, and I well, chem, chem, like the science, life of a scientist. The life, yeah, the life yep. of a scientist, the life of, yeah. So look, during my PhD was very much focused on uh, drinking lots of alcohol <laughs> in moderation. And then- um, <laughs> And listening to buzzy machines. And listening to buzzy machines, yeah. And you know, I, I lived, I'd worked hard and played hard. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I sort of uh, came out, so I did a year in, in, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead from your schedule right now, but I did a year in industry. Because mm -hmm. I thought, well, academia is not for me, maybe industry is for me. So I was an explosives chemist in the mines. That sounds amazing. Well, yeah. it is until you realize you got to spend not, instead of like sat there <laughs> with a, with a <laughs> wand, you're in a big filthy hole all day with men that really swear a lot. I tried it once, right? Like the working like mine site is so blokey, and, mm -hmm. well, at least the ones I went to, and they were all talking and swearing, and I tried swearing once like them. I dropped the C-bomb, right? I don't, I don't use it. I don't do it a lot, but oh my. I, it, they looked at me as if like a toddler had said it. Like, oh, bless him. He's trying to swear. Oh, I well never done. did it again. Yeah. You're almost part of the team. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So look, that year um, made me realize that maybe it wasn't for me because I uh, didn't really like academia. Mm. I didn't really like uh, industry. So I went What's back left? into academia. <laughs> yeah. Which is so bad, isn't it? It's so bad. It sucks it's people a, back in. Maybe was it the actual subject that is or, or is still chemistry still a great love of your life? It's kind of like Stockholm syndrome, <laughs> where like I've done it enough that I think I love it. Mm, uh, it's right. it's abused me enough that I think I love it. 
chemistry is actually it, it it was like they call it the central science mm. right so i had a little bit of physics i had a little bit of biology i had a little bit of everything it was a really great subject but um i don't think it was the subject that that pushed me away from academia i just think it was academia mm. and and there was a huge point i went through this horrible stage where i was trying to control it or trying to trying to fight the system mm. And I caused loads of scenes. In my last postdoc, I caused a lot of scenes, right? <laughs> and looking back on it, it was just not a cry for help, but just me trying to be like, what? how can you control this thing? It's mm. not nice. Mm -hmm. And I think then just going, you know what? I'm not going to fight the system. I have to accept that I have to fit in it or not be in it. And that's when I was like, okay, I'm jumping. Is that about yeah. the time you delivered your TEDx? Yeah. Do you, well, do you, strange that. No. I, I, I Stockholm, I just stayed in after that. So the TEDx it was, is, It's like a cult. It keeps, it you, is. keeps you there. Yeah. 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 And like the illusion of progress was fantastic because it allowed me to express all of the things I was feeling and mm -hmm. I had great reception from it. And I actually gave that talk at a Wiley seminar series. It was invited talk about three or four years later, which was mm -hmm. excellent. Um, but... Yeah, I stayed in, you know, like I that I was like, fight the system, fight the system, <laughs> stay in, stay in, keep going, keep going. And, it's only, then, and you then you realize it's only so many times you can bang up against that wall. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, there's a quote that I read recently, which I really, I really like, which is you can fail at doing something you don't like doing. So why not try to fail at something you do like doing? Mm. And I was like, you know what? That's that's the mindset I was in. I was like, well. I can stay in this and hate it mm -hmm. and still fail, still be forced out because I didn't get the funding or the blah, whatever. Or I can just try to do stuff I like all the time. Mm -hmm. And if I fail, yes, it hurts even more. But with the payoff that eventually maybe I'll be doing something it, I like Because you may not forever. fail. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And failing is, oh, there's also, there's learning, fail and learn. Yep. And there's also first attempt in learning is what people are like, oh, it's not failing. It's your first attempt, you know, mm -hmm. like. Um, and so, yeah, look, as long as you fail and learn and move forward, I think that's all you can all you can hope for. But mm -hmm. yeah, that's where I'm right now. So just to plot out the timeline, when, sure. when did you finish your PhD? 2011 or something like that. And then you went straight into an academic role? No, so PhD finished. Then mm -hmm. that year I, I spent in the mines, yep. so 13 months in the mines, um, trying to fit in with the big sweary men. And then uh, about seven years then in postdocs. Yeah. And once it just like, it keeps you in because it's like, okay, I got a postdoc, so I had three years. Mm -hmm. Great. And then, oh, why don't you apply for this funding? Okay, I will. And then I was lucky, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing more than luck. I got my own funding mm -hmm. for a year. So that stretched it out a year. And then, um, then I got on this other project. I was sort of co-supervising someone, and then they wanted to keep me on. So they, one of my friends calls it scrunge money or scunge money, which is like where people just go, oh, we need this person around because they've got all the skills and all the information. Yeah. So we'll drag just give some them a information yeah. from here. Sorry, some money from here and here and here. And now, <laughs> Gee, that sounds familiar. And now you've got this position, but it's only for three months or six yeah. months, or mm -hmm. if you're lucky, two years. You know. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I found myself is that I was always, they were always like, oh, but we've got this for you. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, you've got your own money. And, um, yeah. and the bird in the hand. That's right. Keeps you there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I was ready to leave. I just got a an award, which was the Unsung Hero. This is like such a humble brag. I just caught myself. <laughs> no, go ahead. We want to hear it. Yeah, well, ahead, this is ahead. why I was at the... Anyway, so I'd, I'd won this award. Uh, I don't know if you know how important and famous I am. But anyway, so I... Yeah, it was, and it, what that did is it put me in a room with a load of important people mm. because I stood up and shook a hand and got my award and walked away. Uh, and I was ready to leave academia, right? That 
I was like, right, my my uh, contract's up in October. I'm out of here after this. Mm-hmm. And in that meeting or in that in that um, event, I met someone and they went, oh, what are you doing next? And instead of saying, I'm leaving academia, <laughs> I went, I don't know. And they went, oh, I've got a contract for you if you want it. And of course, like bird in a hand. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'll do that. I yeah. always thinking, I always telling myself, you know what? I'll do this, and then, and then I'll do something that. else. Yeah. But there's always something to keep you three months, six months, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was a four. Uh, do you know? What I, so they offered it to me, and I was like, I'm going to play hardball, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to go in because I wanted to work uh, four days a week. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to go in, and if they don't give me four days a week, a pay increase from what they're offering me, and some, I don't know something else, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to take it. They, they caved. They didn't cave, but I was like, they give me everything. So I didn't work Fridays for for like that whole yeah. time I was. Anyway, and so that's a consolation. Yeah, yeah but, it's a nice but, three day weekend. Yeah, weekend. but that did give me Fridays to find things I like. Yep. Mm-hmm. So it was. So you weren't stepping into nothing. You were stepping into a plan. Right. Stepping it. So that's when I started doing a lot of science communication stuff, started writing for Australia Science Channel, started writing for um, Australian Quarterly. Um, I was their science communication columnist. What that did is give me a portfolio then where I was able to show that I was at least interested in mm-hmm. producing this sort of content and use that as a springboard to get out. So in hindsight, it did work, but um, there's never a good time to leave. No. Yeah, so... It was, I suppose you didn't have the push-pull factor. You kind of had a, a split sort of, uh, whereas it, now there's a lot of people having to leave academia just because of the, the fact that there's no money. Yeah. And there is this push now to to discover to what it is leave they can the nest. do. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's a little irrelevant now, but the focus of our questions is very much on your PhD. Sure. But why was your research important? Like what was the value that mm. you got or that the wider community got out of the PhD. And, and actually, perhaps the value is more what you're doing right now. But Yeah. Uh, look, value for the research project was very much that it was low-cost solar. Mm-hmm. So um, solar panels are made in, like, batches. Mm-hmm. And that batching process means that it's very expensive. Like, you cut out a bit of silica and you move it across mm-hmm. to the next thing. But um, the idea was to produce solar panels in a what they call a roll-to-roll process, mm-hmm. where you imagine a roll of plastic on one side, and it gets like it's like the newspapers how mm-hmm. they're printed. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. it all um, Australian money is printed that way as well. Mm-hmm. So you get a roll of plastic, you send it through these rollers up and down, up and down, up and down. You add things, take things, spray things, print things, emboss it's things, in and then all long... in one go, yeah. and it's continuous. Yeah. So the idea is you turn it on in the morning and it just prints, 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 prints. And the idea was to produce solar panels using that process. Mm-hmm. Uh, spray on our ink or our paint, uh, spray on the other protecting layers and the other buffer layers and everything else it needs. And then at the end, have a roll of solar panel that you could cut up. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that that um, really was the, the low-cost solar dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of value to me is that it just taught me project, like to all those transferable skills, mm. uh, project management, and also now starting businesses. I'm amazed at how close starting a business is to doing a science project. Setting it up. You make an assumption, mm-hmm. you test it. 
did the customers instead of like you know the the universe's laws deciding whether it works <laughs> it's a person or a set of people or a customer or a client mm-hmm. so you say hey do you want this and they go no and you go why because <laughs> <laughs> it's too expensive it's rubbish and actually it doesn't solve the problem i actually have got yeah. well what's your actual problem this other weird thing great that's a new that's business what that's I'll do what instead. i'll do <laughs> yeah. um so yeah uh, so that i think without my phd background the art or the science of starting a business and and growing it to revenue Mm. would be very much harder for me so do you use many of those like well maybe maybe you do use those transferable skills but do you use any of your science skills in your current roles yeah um not directly so no direct um, writing i mean writing is a science skill Mm -hmm. um documentation which i hate um Filling in forms. <laughs> yeah, you regret it later if you don't do it properly the first time. That's right. That's <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So, look, no, no hard science skills have come across, but definitely, I mean, transferable. Those mm. transferable soft or essential skills. Yeah. Mm. Yep. So then, would you do the PhD again, knowing what you know now? Yes. Yeah, I would. I would 100% do the PhD again, mm. um, but I would not do as many postdocs yeah. <laughs> yeah you know to get out early yeah get out earlier uh, but hindsight's twenty twenty, isn't it so but, that's that experience of standing in the lab with your with your wand has not deterred you in any way no no it's all no you know it, it, a phd you, you build up friendship groups you do all these awesome things um you you know you're still pretty young so mm-hmm. you're kind of still finding out who you are as a person and a phd i like and also there was a moment where I was a bit of an arsehole and I just loved being Dr. Stapleton, right? Like, that's, that's kind of cool. It is, it's a bit of a cool. power kick. Yeah. yeah, it's a bit weird. And like, but then you hang out with everyone who's got a PhD and you're like, and oh, I'm not like, special. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there is an ego thing, I think, that goes along with being mm. Dr. Something. Mm. Just don't ask um, you on a plane. <laughs> so, yeah. Someone's yeah. having a heart attack. No. I'll give it a go. <laughs> I'm sure there's transferable skills I can apply to this. That's right, yeah. I stabbed someone someone in the trachea. That'll do it. Maybe thinking more generally, how do you think academia can more better promote the value of research and and translate the research that lives in universities into outcomes in the real world? Get rid of the marketing teams. Marketing teams at universities? They, yeah. They ruin everything. <laughs> oh, you're thinking of all those headlines that take this really complex idea yeah. and turn it into a clickbait. So, yeah. So now having launched Verbalize and um, and working closely at the interface between scientists and marketing teams, mm-hmm. remember scientists want to actually promote the research. They mm-hmm. want to show that they've done this and mm-hmm. these are the results. Mm-hmm. Marketing teams wants to make the institution look great, yeah. right? And they don't always go hand in hand or there is a conflict of interest on what is the important part of the story. In Mm -hmm. my opinion, it should always be the science, right? So let's highlight the science. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, marketing teams, their key performance indicators uh, get you into advertiser space, like into the advertiser. You want Channel 7 to pick it up. You want Channel 7 to pick it up. So what can you do? Spin it up, make it a bit weird. like, like. I, I understand, and it's not their fault, but mm. if universities were to completely dissolve marketing teams or spin out a second science marketing team, mm-hmm. there'd be so much more benefit to collaboration, 
transfer of information, that sort of stuff. But at the moment, you've got, yeah, marketing teams that are trying to balance attracting students Mm -hmm. with getting people, getting the science into, which is essentially just to attract more students, right? Mm -hmm. Getting the science out into the advertiser. Make it sexy. Make it sexy, yeah. Oh, God, what's sexy science? (laughs) (laughs) Right? It's not sexy. I did it topless once, and even then, (laughs) all the hair got into the Sonicator wand. It was gross. Um, but yeah, look, so that's a, so, that's a whole PhD in itself. <laughs> that's right, yeah. <laughs> Topless science. That's what mm. that's what can happen. It's easy. Get rid of them. So do you think we can maybe science it's a bit harder? Um, so we're in a health field. Mm. Um, and communicating research in health is not everybody knows what the organs are and and you can no, explain. Hmm. No, actually I'm making assumptions based on like everyone has the same knowledge I do and that's obviously not the case. But is it harder for science? Like can could we ask scientists to explain their research to people and have them be able to do it effectively? Yeah, okay. So this is what I've learned over two years mm. is that you've got scientists that give no can I say shits? <laughs> give no shits about communicating their work one hundred percent. And I know that because we've forced them into our process using verbalize.science and mm-hmm. they hate it. <laughs> they don't do it. They don't care. Um, so, no, we can't rely on those scientists. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because it's not, It's not. we're asking scientists to be super introverted and do like yeah. science. Work and then, alone hey, on this complex thing for yeah. five years. That's right. But now be a total people person. Yeah. 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 And now go out and be the next Alan Duffy or, you yeah. know, whatever. Just Put put on a bow tie, slick your hair back (laughs) if you've got some. I slick my beard to the side. (laughs) And also, you know, like, be attractive. Look at Mm. science communicators. Like... If you if you don't follow, if you're in if, Ream. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just like, there's so much competing oh, um, just... ideas and and everyone has a platform. Yeah, that you know Twitter and and whatever you might not use it really effectively, but everybody can mm. have. But there's all that. There's also that whole um, making it more accessible, mm. and and that there's a certain in certain areas people who don't want to make it accessible because that's their thing. Mm. Their thing is being super intelligent and mm. more yep. intelligent than the rest of the population and, yeah. and we I don't want to dumb it down for you. Mm. And it, it really is seen as dumbing it down by a lot of people mm. and um and, and it's not, you know, it's make it's like explaining to a five year old you wouldn't mm. go, you're dumb. You know, <laughs> no, I'm explaining it at a level which is appropriate yeah. for my audience. Yeah. Um but uh, yeah, but on the on the other side of that is that you have got early career researchers, PhD students and and others that are so engaged with the communication aspect. And I think they're the people that will be taking the reins of communication. So they can help people, you know, the old crusty Mm -hmm. uh, scientists Mm -hmm. that don't want to communicate because... Let's face it, scientists are not rewarded for mm-hmm. communicating. They're rewarded for bringing in money mm-hmm. to an institution that hates them and producing papers so mm-hmm. their H index goes up so they can further their so own can, career. Yeah, so they yeah. can be Communicating does help with those in a way, mm-hmm. but because there's no direct link, scientists will not be doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas you need to rely on uh, scientists that have a desire to, to communicate. And I'm finding with Verbalize that the emails I get back from older scientists are, leave me alone. Why do I have to do this? Go away. I'm doing important I'm, work. Yeah. Do you know what I say in a webinar and this this man, he was like, how long is this going to go? I was like, an hour. And he was like, well, I'm very important. I've got about 100 emails. I was like, well, would you like me to stop? And he said, no, no. 
I want you acknowledge. I want you to acknowledge how important I am. Uh, anyway, but then on, yeah, on the other side, you've got, I think we've got a lot of really great early career researchers mm. and they need to be supported, funded and rewarded for communicating. Mm. And that's something that I, I feel really lacks in universities is that they're not, they're not rewarding early career researchers for um, putting their stuff, for putting out, their there. stuff out there. Yep. So if there was like, I mean, there's altmetric. If you started promoting people based on their altmetric score, mm. boom, clever people, a metric mm. to game. They're going to start communicating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you enjoyed your PhD experience. Yes. Um, what 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 do you think you would be doing if you didn't discover chemistry? Do you think you would have taken an academic path anyway? I think I've always been attracted to learning. Mm-hmm. I think that's one thing I, I'm I've learned about myself. Meta um, <laughs> is that uh, I I just enjoy learning, and I mm-hmm. think. Um, if you stop learning, that's just the end of growth. Like you just, even if you're stationary in what you know, you're going backwards because the world is progressing, right? Yeah. You've got to at least learn enough to keep up. Keep going. And so I feel like I would always be learning. I don't know what that would be. I don't know if science necessarily would attract me back to it if mm-hmm. that was my only thing. But um, uh, I certainly, I certainly feel like science or music. Those were the two things. Mm-hmm. So if I didn't do science, I reckon. I'd be a happy but struggling musician. <laughs> One of our guests this morning was a, a is a composer, so she you should listen to her podcast. About yeah, it. I will <laughs> absolutely. So, to you, what is a PhD? Mm. A PhD is a time where you get to flex your academic muscles mm-hmm. all on your own. Your set of projects, like, I don't know, it depends on the research uh, team and, and the, the supervisor, but it really is a time where you get to discover a lot about yourself. Mm-hmm. It's a time when you get to explore new ideas with like a safety net. Um, but unfortunately, it's a time where I think people can get a little bit too focused on mm-hmm. that, where I wish, I think that this kind of idea of, okay, 80% of your time should be on your research, 20% of your time Let's try other things. Let's yeah. spread the wings a little bit. So it is a time to find out what you like doing as well. Um, and yeah, PhD, it's it's all about independence. It's that first mm-hmm. time when you step into an academic, the academic world, and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, it's up to me. Yeah, I got to do. <laughs> I have stuff. to make the mm-hmm. decision of what's going to happen. Yeah, next. yeah, I have to do things. It so. is a, it is a big step from being a, a an undergraduate to being a PhD student where you yeah. suddenly get the, you walk in and you expect on day one somebody's going to hold your hand and take you there, but you go, they go, no, you're a PhD student, you've got to sort it out now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a difficult path to navigate when you don't know what you're doing either. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's an interesting, um, that's a whole learning curve on its own. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is the best opportunity for growth. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to undergrads who might be contemplating a pathway to PhD? Is mm. it something you would suggest or recommend? Blindly, no. Mm-hmm. Just so there's this path of least resistance, which is rubbish. Mm-hmm. It's so rubbish. Just, you fall into you a PhD. fall in like and and you remember, and this comes back to my TEDx talk, which is it's a big old pyramid scheme, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the 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 academic at the top relies on your labor mm-hmm. to further his career, mm-hmm. right? Or, or mm-hmm. sorry, their career. Mm-hmm. So um, the they rely on a huge number of people coming up beneath mm-hmm. them to 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 produce papers, produce science, produce novel work to promote their career mm-hmm. for a position that they will never leave. <laughs> right? 
So you've got to go into it knowing that. Mm -hmm. Is that a deal breaker? I don't think so. Mm -hmm. But if you go in knowing that and you go in with this split of I'm going to do some science mm -hmm. and I'm going to explore other options. What mm -hmm. do I like? Do I like project management? Am I a details person? Mm -hmm. um, do I like communicating? Am I an extroverted kind of scientist? Do I want to do that stuff? Um, and have uh, an exit plan. Yeah. So the kind of uh, analogy I gave in my TEDx talk was, you know, musicians all want to be a rock star. Mm -hmm. Well, all want to be famous and known and be like, wow, there's that person that plays blah. Mm -hmm. Most of them won't get there. Mm -hmm. But, that, but that, does that put them off? Mm -hmm. Like, absolutely not. But a lot of them, you know, like then you've got to have a, a backup plan. Yeah. So make sure that you do build up other skills so that when the ideas of becoming a scientist rock star drop away, mm -hmm. you at least have something you enjoy to back up. Could be teaching. Yeah. Could be accounting. Whatever yeah. you actually like. And that's up for you to decide. So, yeah, is it? Should people do PhDs? Absolutely. But go, it's, go into them with their eyes nice wide open. open. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so also thinking about kids who are finishing school um, or maybe kids that are considering subject choices for year 11 and 12. Yeah. What, and, and all the pressures that that is as a really high pressured moment to make decisions. Mm. What do you say to them? Uh, you can only, you can only make the decision based on the information you've got at that time. Mm. And today, What's it? They say three careers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm pro. I'm on my second mm -hmm. as a business starter. I don't even know what that is, but um, and then I'm sure that there'll be one later on in my life. You know, fifty, sixty plus, where I'm like, oh, actually, I just want to paint. Yeah. <laughs> or you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Um, or be so, a rock star. Or be a rock star. Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Drugs. Um, but yeah. So it is daunting. Mm -hmm. But you remember, you can only make the decisions based on the information you've got. So what do you like in what do you like doing? Mm -hmm. And also there are so many external factors about what you should be doing from society. Mm. So quite often our dreams are hidden with this uh, kind of veneer of practicality. Yeah. I don't want to make be... sure you get a job at the end of exactly, this. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I don't want to go be a musician because if I'm an accountant, I'll earn more money. So mm. I'll become, do you want to be an accountant? Yeah. <laughs> you really, does anyone really want to be an accountant? No, I, I can't think of anything more stressful. <laughs> yeah. And so look, that, that's it. And it's it comes back to one of those things, which is uh, what would you do if money was no object? Mm -hmm. And, and I wish I'd asked myself that very seriously, very early on, because I think my answers would have been maybe similar. I did it. I did like science. But you have to ask yourself, if money was no object, what would you be doing? Um, um, I'd be laying on a beach somewhere with some cocktails. There we are. Great. Instagram influencer. That's what you are. That's the advice I'd give. And, and don't focus too much on the what ifs, maybes, buts of the future. Mm -hmm. They'll work themselves out as long as you are happy with the decision you made right then and there. Mm -hmm. So where is your thesis today? Yeah. Oh, what do you mean? Could like you lay copy? your hands yeah. on a copy of your thesis? Yeah, uh, it is. So I, I've got one in Plymouth mm -hmm. with, my, with my dad. <laughs> Uh, I've got one in my spare bedroom uh, <laughs> and uh, there's one in Newcastle University's archive. So, yes, it's at home right now. Like I could go get it in 20 minutes. <laughs> so you know where it is. I know where it is. Yeah. So did, no, did you... surprisingly, not everybody can say that. Oh, no. really? Yeah. And did your dad read your thesis? No, he said he read the acknowledgements where, he, where <laughs> I said thanks to mum and dad. And he said he, he got bored after the first page. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think that's what my mum read. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm in there. Okay, cool. Um, and have you ever gone through this process of reflecting on your PhD journey before? Yeah. Yeah. So you, you have looked back and thought this was what it was. Yeah. yeah. I, I, so when you start a business, your business can only operate as well as you can. Mm-hmm. And so there is a lot of kind of like weird self-help stuff that you find yourself doing. Mm-hmm. And part of it is is working out your strengths, what you did yep. enjoy, didn't enjoy. And and reflecting on my education was a huge part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's look, it's it's a fantastic time doing a PhD is great. I just wish that someone had sat me down and told me everything about what it was really like. Mm-hmm. like Honestly. Yeah, like at the end of the PhD, you get out and you go, oh, oh, is <laughs> yes. that what I was training for? Oh, okay, so that does lead <laughs> yeah. to our yeah. final question, um, which is about myths. Mm. What's the myth you want to put a pin in and say that's not true about PhDs or about academia? Mm. People think that a PhD is like, more study mm. do you know like it's like oh you're still in uni yeah oh how really... many times i got a t- i had a t-shirt which said don't ask me about my thesis yeah um because they're like are you still doing that yeah yeah that's right because they because they just see it as an extension of like more uni stuff so the biggest myth i guess is externally which is um yeah it's it's not more study it is really it's a job mm-hmm. and you have to approach a phd like a job mm-hmm. Even though it does, even though you're left to your own devices, and it's good to turn up at ten or eleven or twelve <laughs> and leave at two and go get drunk in the uni bar, like <laughs> responsibly. Oh, I had to um, go and pick up kids, so my story was a bit different. Yeah, a bit different. Yeah, yeah. You were just drinking wine at that's right midnight, alone. <laughs> you're not alone when you have kids. No, no. you're never alone when you have kids. Well, especially with the kids counting your wine. <laughs> yeah. That's glass four, mummy. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, so look, yeah, the myth, okay, then the biggest myth I think is that it's not further study, that it's a job mm-hmm. and that you have to approach it like a job, do your nine to five, get there, do it. Um, even as even though Facebook is distracting, uh, even though social media and friends are distracting. And how many times got... did you say, I'm turning, I'm turning off Facebook? Okay, I'm back. <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. And do you know what? My hand, st- oh, so I left Facebook a year and a bit ago and my hand still goes F-A-C-E automatically Ooh, yeah. on the keyboard well, yep. to bring up the prompt. How yep. crazy is that? Stupid. <laughs> well, this has been a really entertaining, <laughs> very entertaining um, discussion, uh, yeah. chat, and we're really very grateful for your time and your generosity and thank you so much for coming Come on Coming and talking our- to us our very first series of our podcast. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me. The very last thing that we should end with is a huge thank you to all of the people who came and gave their time to be interviewed for this podcast series. It's very generous. It was very generous of them and it was so fascinating. And after every interview, I felt so inspired <laughs> to be a researcher and, and to use my PhD. So it was a very eye-opening experience and a um a really interesting experience. Yes, and we're really very grateful to every single one of them. But we're also especially grateful to Dr. Sharon Pittman for telling us us about the grant. The inside story about the grant. Yes. Yes. She gave us the inside story about the grant that we applied for and we got, which supported um, the production of this podcast. So thank you to Inspiring South Australia and to Sharon uh, for your very generous um, support of our podcast. 
Thanks for listening to Career Sessions with Dr. Stephanie Champion and Dr. Tamara Agnew. If you like the show and want to know more, check out www.careersessions.com where you can send us your suggestions for future series and subscribe so you know when a new episode is posted. If you love it, tell all your friends and please leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks to our sponsor, Inspiring South Australia, for their generous support and to our producer, Rory, at Podbooth. Join us next time when we talk careers with another leader in the field.